Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strat. Now, most people are considered lucky if they get to play a Strad in their lifetime. Violinist Timothy Chewy is lucky enough to have been granted use of two Stradivari instruments within a decade. In 2015, he was loaned the 1717 Windsor Weinstein Stradivari from the Canada Council for the Arts, which he played up until this year when he was loaned the 1709 Engelman Strad from the Nippon Foundation. Lucky Timothy. He shared with me his experiences of playing old instruments, including how, despite their mystical status, it's not always smooth sailing. Have a listen. Timothy, welcome to the Strad podcast. So we're here today to talk about the instruments that you've played, including your recent acquirement of the 1709 Engelman Strad, courtesy of the Nippon Foundation. And you've also previously played a 1717 Windsor Weinstein Stradivari. You're very lucky to be in this position. (laughs) So first of all, can I ask, how would you compare the two strads, if you can at all? I know every instrument is going to be different, but, you know, two strads in quite a short amount of time, how would you describe that? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on here, first of all. It's so fitting to talk about strads. <laughs> well, first of all, I've had the 1717 Windsor Weinstein Stradivarius for seven years already. So it's been since 2015 until 2022. The journey with learning that Stradivarius was tumultuous in many ways. I would say when I first had it, it was like, hmm, okay, this is a strad. It should sound great. And quickly within the first couple of months, I knew that this was going to be a very difficult violin to tame. Uh, First of all, I think that process of understanding the first strad ultimately led to me understanding the current Stradivarius that I'm playing on as well. It did take me, I would say, three years to really understand and actually start to make something significantly unique out of my first Stradivarius to bring on stage and to understand and, and to explain to people also uh, what's so special about the Stradivarius. So it was definitely not, it was not an instant gratification by any means. It was not love at first sight. It was something that we worked on very much. I went to the store, got it fixed. I changed so many, <laughs> countless of hours of changing different types of strings. I finally found a really good set. And the thing about that particular Stradivarius is that it had a lot of work done to it in the past. So I think it wasn't ultimately always in the best condition, but it eventually became in a very, very good uh, place. And I think it actually trumps many, many other Stradivariuses now. The current one that I just got about a couple weeks ago, um, you know, it's still really early to say how it is. But the thing about that Stradivarius that I'm playing on, the Engelman, is that it has been played very continuously um, for decades now. And it's been played in a way that I think uh, really is similar to the way I approach the violin as well. It's constantly being checked by luthiers every three months, and there's a very strict policy of how that's being done. And I think the the attention of care is really at the highest level. So it's been quite a bit easier to play on this instrument than I would say the other one. And in some ways, it's almost like it's too good to be true because I'm playing on it. I was like, why doesn't it squeak anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the interesting thing about strads or any of these really fine instruments is that they almost have this mythical status, don't they? And <laughs> and I think it's easy for people to think, oh, you've got a Strad now, it's going to be great. 
But it's a lot of hard work, as you outlined. It's not instant gratification. So, you know, with your first Strat that you played, uh, as well as the work that had been done on it, over the length of time, how did you manage to really find your own personal sound with it? Well, first of all, I actually looked on YouTube and saw other players that played on Strats. And I think that for me was a slow process that I was like, hmm, if I want to learn how to play a Strat, I should look at someone who plays a Strat, <laughs> not someone who plays a Del Jesu or another instrument. And I noticed with all of them, they have great amount of speed when they play. So one example that I've really been looking at um, since seven years ago now was Anne-Sophie Mutter, who is basically, I think, unanimous with the idea of a Stradivarius. Her and Stradivariuses are one item. So for me, looking at the way she plays and the way that she approaches the attack of an instrument, you know, that's something I experimented with. Another one was Maxim Fingeroff and Inyansen as well. And also just asking some of my friends who are playing on strats and just asking them. Some of them also didn't have answers, but there was almost this understanding of difficulty between the both of us that we're not going on this journey alone of being like, why does it just squeak out of nowhere sometimes? And I didn't do anything to it. And maybe we just changed our strings and it should have been absolutely perfect. But the thing is that the next day, it just decides to not speak on the A string for five days. <laughs> what do you do? You kind of need your A string in that situation, exactly. right? <laughs> the kind of analogy that comes to mind is, you know, you're used to riding around town in like a simple city car or something that's really easy to use. And then all of a sudden you get given this Ferrari and you, you've got to sort of learn how it ticks. Otherwise, it just kind of roars out from beneath your, your feet. Absolutely. Right? Well, you know, I actually found a very good analogy that actually a friend of mine told me. It's the difference between playing in something like Carnegie Hall versus a very modern, well-built hall. You know, Carnegie Hall is a fantastic and beautiful hall, but anything that's old has problems and in some ways was not fit for today's modern standards. So when the sound and everything works beautifully, it is incredible. The aura, the atmosphere, the vibe, the presence, you just cannot recreate that because purely of time. But as opposed to a modern one where it has maybe everything curated down to the needle point, but yet at the same time, there's just something missing about the aura. And it takes time as well. But you know, with the Strat, similarly to an older concert hall, something breaks. <laughs> the pipe breaks, the door unhinges, these small things and they all add up or suddenly the elevator stops working. So uh, that's how I would compare playing on, a, on an old instrument. But I think at the end of the day, it is very much worth it because there is that yeah. sparkle, there is that history, there is the, the fact that it is taken, it has to be taken care so well that it's hard to, to have that same situation in any other instruments. Yeah, it's got that character, mm -hmm. doesn't it? I mean, I think of old London theatres, mm -hmm. for example. There are some London theatres that are totally ramshackle and, and they, they look like they're falling apart, but you're still going to go and see a show mm -hmm. there because they're amazing venues. <laughs> I'm not saying that your strads are falling apart and are completely ramshackle. <laughs> you, you really have to invest your time and effort in making sure that you get the best out of the instrument. This kind of led me to what I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you next about modern instruments that you've played because you know if we're going forward with this analogy of concert halls you know and you have some modern concert halls which are specifically acoustically engineered to get the best sound of whoever's performing do you think that that translates with modern violins as well the fact that they haven't been played by so many people so in a, in a sense it's kind of a blank slate yeah i i think modern instruments are a fantastic piece of tool um I think, you know, every, every instrument was a modern instrument at some point. <laughs> it's just a passage of time. So I think yeah. that 
they're amazing makers these days and they're so understated because I think that the the glory of the strats and the Guaneri Del Jesus really do overshine. But that being said, I've played on modern instruments and the fact that they're much more reasonably priced, <laughs> I would have to say they give a different energy, personal energy, because you know it's, I mean, if you buy one, you know it's yours to keep. You know it's something that you, all the time that you invested, fixing it, changing strings, changing shoulder rests, uh, or chin rest, sorry, changing the varnish, every single decision you do, it's a reflection of you as well. So for me, I think that it's a great way to also to have the luxury of having that, but also to play on an old instrument. The thing is that you get to learn how an old instrument works. So for me, I think I'm, I'm a huge advocate for modern instruments because we have the technology today to understand how wood best resonates. I think that is a huge leverage and I, I just can't wait to see in 300 years, you know, we'll be long gone by then, but I just can't wait to see how amazing these instruments will sound and already sound. Yeah, I think having a modern instrument, if you're the only person that's played it, you're literally developing your own sound. Do you think it's possible to sort of translate that personal sound onto an old instrument? I would say it is. However, it's a little bit less. Uh, you, you do have to follow a little bit more with an older instrument because the sound has been set up. The way that the sound post has been adjusted was from the last owner or the last person that played on it as well. And very similarly, it's kind of adjusting yourself to a house that's already been renovated to the liking of many other people. And you kind of adjusting your lifestyle to the way it's already been built. So I think there's a lot to learn from because you're like, oh, I did not know that I could cut down or tear down a wall like that. Or I didn't know I could open the kitchen like that. So you do learn to live like that. However, there are some things of anything where you're like, mm, I'm not a big fan of this wooden wall on the side of this. I'm going to change that. So I think it's very possible, you know, to add your own flavor to it as well. And it brings out parts of your playing that you didn't even know you had inside of you. Like for me, I'm playing on this new strat and it has this dragon-like quality, this <clears throat> to it. And I didn't know I had it inside me. But now I'm like, oh, maybe this is part of my, you know, <laughs> post quarter life century <laughs> crisis <laughs> part of my personality yeah you're discovering new things about your sound all the time but you're just discovering it in different environments and I think sometimes you need that because otherwise it becomes quite one-dimensional if you're only going to be playing on one instrument and you think well this is my sound but it's also good to be adaptable as well so finally I wanted to ask you because you've got this upcoming appearance at the Verbier Festival where you're playing Big mix of repertoire yeah. from Prokofiev, Chrysler, Ravel, and some other pieces too. How are you going to choose what instrument you're going to play? Are you going to put it towards your Instagram followers again? Oh, I'm definitely going to play on the Stradivarius. This is one that I'm, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm bringing it throughout the entire summer. Well, first of all, I think it's going to be a beautiful instrument. And also the venues at Verbier, especially this church, it's a, it's a beautiful concert hall. And there's no need to shout that's one thing I, I meant to say. The, the difference between an old instrument and a new one is I think new ones have the ability to really project a lot louder than a Strat. However, you know, you're not always playing in Albert Hall, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, many times, like at Verbier, it's a nice, I think, five to 600 people seating hall. So you can really have the nuances of an older instrument. So I'm going to bring that one for sure. Nice. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Timothy, thank you so much for sharing your stories, your personal stories about playing strads. And I'd like to say once again how incredibly lucky you are. Very lucky. <laughs> so thanks. Thank you for having me. That was Timothy Chewy, 
You can hear him play on the Engelman Strad on the 28th of July at the Verbier Festival with pianist Julianne Quentin, where you'll hear the piece you're listening to right now, Sunshine on Tashkogan by Chen Gang. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days. Start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or a rating. Thanks for listening, and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.